Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined as I am every night on this very program, Monday nights. That is Evan Swords of Forty ers Hub. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, apologies for being right about Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. I apologize. You went to the game, though. You you were there. Did you have a good weekend? It, I, I mean, the, the Ducks go down on Saturday in just ridiculously dumb fashion. The Niners go down on Sunday. Um, not to rub it in a little bit, but... The, the yeah. Falcons ensured that they are in the top five if the NFL draft started today. And the Tennessee Vols did not punt on Saturday, where I was delirious uh, with the, the sports renaissance when watching touchdown, 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 touchdown. What a great, great weekend. The tank is on and Tennessee is roaring back, roaring back. What, what a great weekend. What about you, man? I genuinely had a great weekend. That's good. Um, I had a great weekend. Um Love being in San Francisco. It's my favorite city in the world. Hmm. Love going to Levi's. I was at Levi's with my best friend, who's a Titans fan, but mm-hmm. his friends from Salt Lake are Niners fans. So they all just came out for the game. We had incredible tickets uh, right down 10th row and section 121. Uh, you know, overall, such a such a fun weekend. So it was hard to complain about, you know, your football teams losing. But it it was a sad football weekend. The Ducks do what the Oregon Ducks do constantly. They get ranked really, really high, and they lose to an in-conference team that's not that good in a very pathetic fashion. Uh, it's I can't count. I genuinely can't count on both hands the amount mm. of times that that's happened because uh, I need more fingers. And the 49ers absolutely destroyed the Seahawks just about in every single possible stat and still lost. Mm. Russell Wilson did his voodoo magic bullshit. We'll talk about it later. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. It was a tough football weekend. Um, what makes San Francisco your favorite city? It's just, first off, you know, being from Portland, Oregon, I can just really genuinely appreciate a real city. Mm. You know, Portland is a small town city uh, that wants to kind of be a bigger city than it is. So, you know, when I go into San Francisco and I, and I you know, take the the bar, take the train in from the, the airport, and you, you know, you come out of the train station, if you will, whatever you want to call it, the BART station, and this the steps take you up, you know, you walk up onto the city, you know, downtown, you see the buildings all towering over you, you know, it's bustling, there's... There's kind of like, you know, San Francisco downtown is known for like what they call concept stores, right? So like retail locations have like their most impressive stores in the San, San Francisco area, uh, you know, and it just, it, it feels just exciting and electric. The, the you know, the, the city has so many different parts to it and neighborhoods and, you know, so much food and culture and uh, diversity and it's just it's just it's, it's great you know the weather was amazing it was super hot all weekend like upper 80s all weekend uh, you know so many sports teams having their games so it was just it was fun you know there's so many like people running around the city 
uh, you know, Saturday we we walked through the city to go to the sports bar we were going to, and it was a big sports bar. And there was like a Cincinnati Bearcat contingent there. Mm. Uh, there was an Alabama contingent there. You know, there was. Uh, you know, obviously we were at a duck bar, so a bunch of duck fans. Just super, super fun. You know, it's a good time. Interesting. Did you see any Tennessee fans or Falcons fans while you're in San Fran? Uh, no, I don't think that I, I, I don't think I'd see many of those in Tennessee or or Atlanta. Oh, oof, oof, oof. Well, we know that's not true about Tennessee. There, there's yeah. a lot. They, it, no, they are down for the cause for sure. They are, um, for good or for bad. Um, well, let's get into uh, our time, our team. We mentioned a little bit what happened to our teams this weekend. The Falcons, uh, they lose at home to the Washington football team in really horrific fashion in the second half. Uh, Kyle Pitts showed some stuff. There were some weird reports about Matt Ryan being unhappy this week. Not sure what to make about any of that. What does uh, that mean? I don't know. Like Whether or not he's going to do what Julio did um, over the next few weeks. And he's quietly out and frustrated and after the season it's just like a foregone conclusion that he's gone and he's going to one out privately um and then you have just the team still can't run the ball they still have problems offensively <clears throat> but uh yeah this was uh this was not a great game and i i don't really have any strong takeaways other than that the, like the falcons are one of the five worst football teams in the nfl and they go to london so i got to wake up at 9 30 on sunday to watch the Jets versus the Falcons. Oof. I mean, just a battle for who's going to stay in that bottom bottom tier for uh, for for Spencer Rattler or whoever it's going to be. Um, I'm much more interested in your team and how your your game ended with uh, Seahawks Niners. Uh, walk us through it. What happened with the Niners on Sunday? Yeah, you know, I mean, at the end of the day. The San Francisco 49ers truly dominated the Seahawks and a kickoff return fumble from a, uh, you know, uh, Trenton Cannon is a, a player that we signed, uh, I think, basically after preseason to come in and fill a spot because of some injuries. And the last game, he had a kickoff return with a lot of speed and looked really good. And I think, you know, we gave him an opportunity. This game, he fumbles, in the, you know, on the 20. Uh, on the other side, and they go back and score, uh, you know, between the fumble, uh, the interception that was, by the way, Diggs, you know, I watched that in person, and it looked like Jimmy just threw a terrible throw. But uh, looking at the film, you know, Diggs made an incredible play. His body, his face, his eyes were completely going the opposite direction, uh, you know, put just trapped Jimmy basically. And the second that ball came out of his hands, he was already turning, going towards it. Uh, it was an incredible play. Um, but yeah, let me like reset and we'll actually talk about it. The defense genuinely did its job. It, you know, no rushing at all. 13, uh, carries from Chris Carson for 30 yards, averaging 2.3 carries. Alex Carson or Collins, 10 carries, 44 yards. He, he scored a touchdown. Russell Wilson, 26 yards, was kind of moving around a little bit, maybe, but not really. DK Metcalf held to 65 yards. Tyler Lockett held to 24 yards. The corners on our team played very well. Uh, the defensive ends played incredible. Three sacks on the day for Russell Wilson. There was a shoestring tackle missed 
that Russell ended up scoring a touchdown on. You know, there's so many plays in just typical Seahawks fashion. It was it was genuinely a true Seahawks versus 49ers game. This, the 49ers played better overall, but they made more mistakes. And Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson, and he capitalized. I mean, that touchdown pass was just the most Russell Wilson play I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, barely, you know, almost getting sacked, spins, rolls out, throws just the tightest spiral touchdown pass you've ever seen in your entire life uh, to Freddie Swain, who no one knows who he is. Um, it's just the most pathetic thing in the world. And then, you know, Jimmy goes down at the half, right? Hurts his calf. He was almost worried it was, an, uh, you know, kind of an Achilles type injury, maybe not a full tear. But, you know, he was just like, I can't go. You heard rumblings at the game. We're watching. And all of a sudden, okay, Trey Lance, here you go, bro. Here's your opportunity. You know, the stage is set. Rookie gets to come in. Number three overall pick. Traded three first-round picks for him. And he fucking plays just like shit. Mm. You know, he has rookie mistakes. He has some exciting plays for sure. You know, obviously he threw that broken coverage. Um, touchdown pass to Debo Samuel for 75 yards. That like, I mean, literally, like Debo was genuinely in the back uh, you know, out out in the field, just completely unguarded. No one even near him. Um, but other than that, you know, Trey made a lot of mistakes, a lot of errant throws. You could tell when he when he had the ball in his hand and he was kind of scrambling. It was exciting. It did feel like you know it. it th- there was a dynamic there that just made, you know didn't exist before with Jimmy, but you know. There were, I mean, I remember there was a pass that Trey Lance was throwing to Kittle. And I mean, it was a fucking bounce pass. Literally threw it at his feet. It was the type of, I mean, like, I came away watching Trey Lance. And granted, I have no expectations for him here, right? He he was kind of exciting. It was not, it was a really bad circumstance against a really, you know, a team that plays against the 49ers really hard. But I came away watching Trey Lance just thinking about the bad Colin Kaepernick years. And it's just like, you know, it, there was some plays there that really reminded me of the dark times with Cap, you know, when he threw four interceptions versus the Cardinals. Not that, you know, he was throwing interceptions, but it's just like it was just really kind of a sketchy little showing from Trey Lance. Um, I hope. Um, I hope that, you know, with a, a, a new game plan that maybe, who knows, you know, maybe they'll look good against the Cardinals, albeit that game next week too. Um, but man, you know, it just, it didn't, they didn't, pop, they didn't piece it together in the end and they missed some plays. Uh, the one things that some of the things, the positives that I will say, Trey Sermon looked like a good running back averaging 4.7 yards per carry. I'm excited uh, for him to continue to to get going. Debo Samuel continues to you know be the best receiver in the NFL currently. He's got the most receiving yards, uh, a bunch of touchdowns, just look great. George Kittle, when you get the ball in his hand, looks good. They continue to not get the ball into George Kittle's hand, whether it's the quarterback or Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan also, let me remind you, by the way, at the beginning of the game, uh, (laughs) Robbie Gould, the kicker, got injured. Mm -hmm. And we had a punter kicking field goals. 
Missed two of them. Did he hurt his groin area? Because you you had the the parentheses, the parenthetical DICC with him. Yeah, what happened to him? He he did. Uh, apparently, it was a, a pregame injury or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, hurt his dick. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, and there was a forty-one yard field goal where mm-hmm. where uh, where they tried to kick a field goal with the fucking punter instead of just <laughs> going for it. It was just, I'm telling you, man. Like there was that fourth down play the other week from Kyle. There's this, you know, mm. for being taught, you know, taught it as the offensive genius of the NFL, the kid wonder, mm. uh, you know, you know, the guy is really fucking up. If you're going to give him the, the expectations that you're giving him, he is not meeting him. Kyle Shanahan is really, really struggling right now. And I'm just, you know, I'm just curious to know what the plan is. <laughs> Are we getting curious. Lance for sure next week against Kyler? So, so that's the thing. You know, Jimmy comes out in the press conference and he's basically crying and he's just like, he's, you know, talking about the injuries. He's like, it's just getting old. You know, you could tell he's just like so tired of the injuries and he wants to be out there for his team. And I got to say, outside of that, that interception, which I had originally thought was Jimmy's fault, like was really less about Jimmy and more just a great play from Diggs, Jimmy looked good in the first half. They were driving, you know, there was, you know, they were struggling to, to kind of, uh, they were struggling to score in the end zone and he would drive down and they'd have to kick a field goal and they missed two field goals. You know, they also lost by seven points. So I don't know, man, that game is the game was a perfect kind of like encapsulation of the 49ers season right now, no matter the talent that they have on the roster, you know, in which they do, they'll have, they, I mean, let's go over it real quick. Mm. 49ers first downs, 23 to 14 from the Seahawks. Uh, fourth down efficiency, three out of four. Okay. Total plays, 72 compared to 54. 49ers had more. Uh, sacks allowed, only two. They sacked the Russell Wilson three times. Made the Made the Seahawks punt eight times. 49ers, eight or six. Uh, but the penalties, eight penalties for 78 yards to the 20, to five penalties for 27 yards. Fumbles lost, one. Interception thrown, one. No turnover for the Seahawks. It's just mistakes, turnovers. I don't know, man. I don't know. Did you watch the highlights? I did. I did. I just, I, I don't, <laughs> I think before the season, you gave me a lot of grief, Mr. Swords, where I was like looking at this division and who I bet on and who I believed in. I think we both got Arizona wrong. I think we both, I mean, it's still early and it's a 17 game series and that's something that you have to feel good about. It. I don't, I don't think we got really anything wrong. To mm. be honest with you. I don't, I was, I was not impressed with the Seahawks. I continue to not be <laughs> impressed by the Seahawks. The 49ers lost that game. They did not, the Seahawks did not win it. Mm-hmm. Period. Uh, I think we basically knew that what is happening with the Rams is something we needed to be worried about, right? You give the Rams a real quarterback and they're going to dominate. And that's what they're doing. The Cardinals are winning right now, but I still think they don't have the talent that their record indicates. Uh, beating the Rams was a very impressive game. And I, at this moment, sound probably crazy saying that, but I, it is a long season. The great Mike Sando of The Athletic, a uh, great NFL writer that you should check out if you have not already. Um, he mentioned in his piece today, uh, I think it's called The Pick Six, but 
Um, one of the things he was talking about, he was on Arizona Sports Radio the other day. And this was before the Cardinals game yesterday. And the the radio host, he doesn't name who it was, in Arizona was like, if the Cardinals had Sean McVay uh, as their head coach, and I guess this was because it was going into the Rams game, uh, would we be looking at the Cardinals differently as like an elite, elite team? And he's like, isn't Cliff undefeated right now? Like, why are you, uh, why are you openly just being uh, like thinking and fantasizing about McVeigh and what he would do? Um, the 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 I don't know what to call it. I guess the allure and the aura surrounding McVeigh is always a little strange. I mean, he went to the Super Bowl, young guy. Shanahan did the same sort of thing, but I do wonder why Cliff is kind of not getting the benefit of the doubt here. Where it's like, I mean, hey, if. Uh, if this keeps going the way it is, and if Cliff is the the Kyler Whisperer and this defense has improved as much as it has, then um, I think you have to take the Cardinals seriously sooner rather than later. But man, I just keep coming back to this is a long season and 17 games. It's a long, long time. And I don't know. I think the Cardinals are fascinating. I'm excited to see Cardinals Niners next weekend um, to see how the Niners bounce back. I, I would not be down on the Niners too much to this point. I mean, the Rams obviously got beat and we'll get into that game. But uh, yeah, it could be worse. You could be the Falcons who are bad at literally everything. Cordero Patterson is maybe our best player. And look, ball for life, very pro Cordero Patterson on this podcast. But when that is the case, that is a problem. Kyle Pitts did more in this game, which is great. And he's going to be a star in this league. Like, that's a cool thing to just go ahead and pencil in. Kyle Pitts is making multiple Pro Bowls. Like, that's just done. We can go ahead and pencil that in. He is he is a marvel, and he is so tough to cover, and he's going to be a great resident threat, all that great stuff. But he doesn't help the Falcons win games anytime soon. Um, yeah, I am not excited for Jets-Falcons next week, but we'll get into that in a bit. Um, so when I have a soundboard on this podcast, Mr. Swords, um, and that's coming, that's in the works. I'm excited to, to add a soundboard. Uh, I can't give you a soundboard because I think you have all the consistent hosts during the week. I'm most concerned about what you bless. I mean, I, I would imagine it's a lot of, cause you can do like five to seven seconds of Chase, a song. Yes. Chase, mm. I need you to know in my heart, I know as much as you do, I cannot have a soundboard. <laughs> I do not deserve that responsibility. <laughs> I will abuse it. I, I know. I know. There's no way around it. Like, I, I know that for a fact. Um, but the first step is acknowledging that you have a problem. Um, but in my extremely the offspring voice, I know you want to hit that news. Hit that, you know, hit, you know, that song they had hit that. I know no. you want to hit that. Burm, 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 burm. Are you talking about smack that? Is it smack that? You are so old. And I don't mean like from an age perspective, just mentally, you are just washed, bro. It's Akon, smack that. No, I'm not talking about that. I know that. I'm saying The Offspring has a song called Hit That. Oh, Offspring. Jesus Christ. I have no idea about Offspring. I thought you were an Offspring guy. No, man. Just because I'm white doesn't mean I like it. 
<laughs> no, I'm right. It is hit that. I, I'm not misremembering. I was a big Offspring guy. I don't know. I thought um, I thought there was a, a, a chance because you do like a lot the of the, the, the emo kids stuff. are all right. The mm-hmm. kids aren't all right. I love that song. Okay. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> I feel so old. Thank you for having my back there, though, Evan. I, I greatly appreciate that. Um, but that is a soundboard I'm going to have with that playing. But it's our new segment. There's a couple things I want to hit before we get into this weekend's games. Uh, Urban Meyer. Apologize to everyone for being a distraction this weekend because Urban Meyer, um, he certainly made some choices over the weekend and um, not a great statement. Uh, Katie Nolan quote tweeted this of just like the way they described it, um, the way he described it. Like, what did they say? Pushing up, like trying to pull him out. What did she say? Like, I don't like what did they say in the quote? Um, do you know what I'm talking about? The way they described no. him getting a lap dance at a bar where it was like, no, that's not what was happening there. There was just a weird word salad to deny what was actually happening there. But I mean, look, I'm not going to judge someone's personal life. I'm not going to get into all that kind of stuff. Like I will. Oh, I know you will. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I will just say, um, First off, from no, having no insight, finish, you finish, you finish, you finish. Go having on. no insight to his personal life, knowing nothing about his marriage, anything like that. I just think, ostensibly, this is just bad. This is a bad look. A coach of the NFL team can't be doing this. Regardless of the circumstance, I don't see how this is good whatsoever. I don't know how you get out of this. I I just am, I was just so dumbfounded by how you put yourself in this predicament when you're Urban Meyer and you're this old. Like, this is just... You're too old for this, man. You're, I mean, there's not a right age for this, but it's also just like, oh my goodness, how have you not learned? Like Urban Meyer, I think it was Marcus Spears on ESPN today. It was like, he's been trying to tell us who he is for a really long time. And when someone tells you who they are, take them at face value. And uh, I just, I don't know. Oh, I found the tweet, by the way. It was dancing close to his lap. <laughs> Which, um, yep, that's what we call a lap dance, folks. Um this was bonkers. The video, when it came out, I could not believe it was real. It was actually him. But, I mean, just the worst look. Things are already bad in Jacksonville. I think he told, he, he mentioned in the press conference, he talked to Trevor and was like, when he was going away for his bachelor party in Vegas, he told him, hey, be careful. <laughs> be careful out there. And then, of course, does not take heed of his own advice. Um I don't know, man. Just an awful look. I This is going to end in him getting fired. Like, there's still 13 more games for the Jaguars to play this season. And when I I, I didn't think this was going to work, but this is, un, this is not even close to the way that I thought it was going to go. And this bad, on the field, off the field, just I cannot believe the Jaguars are in worse shape right now as an organization than Houston. That's that's how far and how quickly they fought. What a what a mess! What a mess! And just a horrible horrible look by Urban Meyer. I was gonna say, should I just have this be my two minute rant because mm. I got time? Okay. How much of this am I have to beep? None. Okay. I know it's not about swearing here. This is just like that's like swearing is lazy. I don't need to swear for this. Okay. Here's the reality. I said at the beginning of the season it was a horrible idea to hire Urban Meyer. You've got the number one overall pick with one of the most impressive college quarterbacks coming into the draft in the history of college football since Peyton Manning, since Andrew Luck. It's just a, an absolute phenomenal prospect. And you come out and you you bring Urban Meyer and Trent Bulky. That's that's your move. 
Urban Meyer, who already has a history of screwing up and then throwing out ridiculous pity party excuses about his health or mental this or whatever to get himself out of bad situations that he put him in because he's a trash human being. You said, oh, I won't I won't get into his personal life. It's not his personal life. It isn't a theory of, oh, it's his personal life, but he is in the public eye. Right. Do you know how many hurdles that Urban Meyer had to jump over to get into that poor of a situation that he is in. That man lost four games in a row. He's got arguably the, the worst, not you know, worst team in the NFL. Uh, just absolutely pathetic from a from a football standpoint. Like actually, if you watch the games, from you know, discipline to production to effectiveness, just to all the above, it's just pathetic. That in alone is embarrassing enough for Urban Meyer to come back to the NFL, have that type of quarterback process prospect and then this is how you 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 know this is the product you bring on the field you don't need his personal life but then for this man who is married to go out in public and party with a young girl dancing on his lap you think he didn't see the cameras i don't know if you saw the angle Right. It was there. The cameras were pointed right at He took at a him. selfie with someone that he night. didn't fucking care. Yeah. And you know what? I could respect – I could. I could respect a man that just doesn't care about the public spotlight or doesn't care about what people think. But that, that guy's got a wife. Oh, for and, sure. Like, it's if, immoral. You, it's wrong. Like, he no, – no, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. If, yeah, we know, we know it's immoral. We know it's wrong. But he has a wife. Mm. And if you're If you're going to – if you want to go do that – divorcer you know what you're worried about losing half you should have signed a prenup like everything that urban meyer does is preventable everything but how do you explain that video like if you go home i just i don't even know where to begin with that video like how do you explain that the reality is is that marriage was probably probably broken so long ago that that well see this is what i'm saying i don't want to get into that part of it like i don't know anything you and i do not know anything about their marriage or what goes on like none of that stuff no but you do know that when you're that that famous and mm -hmm. you're that big in the public eye especially when you go out after a football game it's not a matter of oh i can't decide whether or not they have a a happy relationship it's just logic to go well i just think also if you're a good guy you just don't put yourself in that position like you just don't do it like you you know what's right and wrong and you know what you're like you just know like there's just something like clearly not going off where it's like he does not realize what's happening or he just like you said doesn't care which is more more terrifying or more just more disappointing i guess is the right word like all of it was disappointing all of it is just gross and i i just you can't explain it away and his statement was was terrible was just terrible and well but his yeah. statement was about as lazy as you get, yes right it was like a here's a generic statement that will get me out of this room mm-hmm. and then i can just stop because at the end of the day and this let's bring it back to football because we're a football podcast and sure i could shit on urban meyer all day long he's one of the most gigantic scumbag human beings i've ever seen in in professional sport period he's a scumbag but let's talk about football. 
his actions are are you know while while they are personal they're very indicative of who he is as a football coach this man does not give a shit he saw an opportunity to get a paycheck to go get Trevor Lawrence, he thought it would be easier than it was. It's actually challenging. And what is he doing? Week four, yes, sure, you can love personal life, whatever. Going to a bar and getting drunk and having some young girl dance on you, taking selfies with them, like that man's giving up. And I mean that from a football perspective. That The action of an NFL coach that's lost four games that goes and does that is a man that is given up on his responsibilities as a head coach, on his responsibilities as like a mentor, uh, you know, as a, a man in the public spotlight, he gave up. And I feel bad for the Jaguars fans because, you know, I don't know that you fire him that soon. I hope they do. It's definitely the best move. I just don't know that it's going to happen. And if Jaguars fans have to go 13 more games with that man as a head coach, I just feel bad. The only thing that's positive about this is that when they do inevitably get rid of Urban Meyer and they will get rid of Urban Meyer, once again, it will be a very, uh, you know, popular head coaching destination from a talent perspective. But then again, it was when they had the pick and they still chose Urban Meyer. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But it just... uh... not what you want to be talking about if you're the Jaguars and players and front office people like this is not not what you want um, at this point Um, Kyler is now the betting favorite for the MVP does this surprise you does this sound about right do you do you see this continuing on for the rest of the season once again I like I was talking about in general first off let's let's you know let's give them their roses right the Arizona Cardinals are the last undefeated team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is playing exceptional, fo- exceptional uh, football. You know, um, the the Cardinals in general are playing great football. They scored thirty seven points, right? They absolutely piled it on. The Rams looked like the best team in football for most of the beginning of the season. You got AJ Green who for all intents and purposes was going to be considered to be a walking husk of, of a body, you know, on the football field to just maybe kind of like be a decoy five receptions for 67 yards, averaging 16 point or 13.4 yards per, for reception scored a touchdown. I mean, they're getting great, great production from chase Edmonds who expected that James Connor scored two touchdowns. I mean, like, uh, you know, what they're doing right now is very impressive. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I just don't – I don't have faith in Cliff Kingsbury. He still, to me, is a very bad coach who's just essentially, you know, has a great roster right now, and he's letting Kyler Murray do his thing. But what do you see? I, I think I'm a little too biased and objective. I mean, I think – Kyler has been on another level. I think he's, I still don't think there's been, there's been so much great QB play this year. Like when I look across league, like Russell Wilson still hasn't thrown a pick. Has he? No, I don't think so. Like he's been, he's been great. Dak's been great. Jalen hurts is off to like shout out to Quincy Avery. I'm pointing this out, but he's off to one of the best starts of any rookie quarterback ever. Um, Our first year starter, excuse me. 
And I don't know. Like, there's just great quarterback play across the board. Stafford before last week, we would have said, is right there at the top. Um, I don't know. I just think there's so much elite quarterback play across the league right now that it's really hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, for sure. Because Josh Allen, he's tearing it up. Lamar, big win. He's doing stuff. Like, I don't know. I, I think... We got a lot of a lot of games to be played and a lot of stuff on the calendar. I think Kyler to this point is the most fun to watch. Like if I had to pick between any quarterback to watch in the NFL right now, it's either Kyler or Josh Allen for me. But oh, uh, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Your most most fun? Mm-hmm. Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Forget about Justin Herbert. What what is fun about watching Justin Herbert this year? What are you talking about? Hot and cold. Hot and cold. Hot and cold. What are you talking about? Hot and cold. He's been okay. He's fine. He's Not been elite. okay? He's fine. The game, like the quarterback who was in the game with him tonight has been much better than him this year. He's fine. Herbert's fine. He just... Is Herbert... I mean, he's the fourth best quarterback he, in his own division. Like, what are we doing? What? Teddy Bridgewater? Before he goes down? Had the... They were down 14-7. Did you just say Justin Herbert is the fourth best quarterback in his division? Because I want to make sure that I tweet that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater at this point... Pretty pretty remarkable. I think he has been the fourth best quarterback this season in that division to this point. You're that is. I mean, I don't. I don't even. I can't. I don't know. Uh, he just threw four touchdowns and zero interceptions against the Kansas City Chiefs. He just uh, mm-hmm. went uh, went in uh, played the 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 undefeated Oakland Raiders. Mm-hmm. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's good. Best, quarter, best quarterback in the NFL. Okay, the that's, that's that's no. I don't care what you say. I mean, he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Period. Period. Unbelievable. Um, what did you did you see what happened in the end of the, the Broncos Ravens game? I did. Okay. Do you agree with Vic Fangio being upset about the Ravens running the ball late there? You know, Vic Fangio is my boy. You know, I'm a big fan of what he did as a defensive coordinator in San Francisco. I just don't. I think it's a nothing burger. Mm. One play. One play. Cares. Who cares? I think Vic Fangio is probably not very happy that he lost. You know, I hope as a 49ers fan that it's more so about him losing in the Super Bowl to John Harbaugh than it is uh, anything else, although I don't think it is. But, uh, yeah, I think it was a nothing burger. I agree. I think if they were winning, they wouldn't have cared. I think he over. Like, there's a lot to be mad about, but that was was not something to be mad about. Um, Well, let's run through what happened this week in the NFL. Um, the Pats Bucks last night was a delight. Love that game. Love, love, love. Um, a lot of weirdos caring way too much about the ratings and the hug length of time between Belichick and Brady. Um, but my question to you about this game, did Belichick and the Pats impress you in a loss on Sunday night? I mean, I wouldn't say at this point in Bill Belichick's career, he's ever going to impress me. If he ever if he ever does anything, it's exactly what I'd expect because uh, he's the best coach in NFL history. Uh, who impressed me is Mac Jones, and that's hard to say. Uh, but to an extent, so to answer your question, they impressed me because I think the Bucks are a very good team and they really played very well and they almost had a chance. But there are some things that I kind of look at and you go, I don't know, you know, you look at Mac Jones's. Um, Completion attempts, right? If you look at that graph, very, very short passes. Bill Belichick is playing very smart, 
Josh McDaniels playing very smart, very simple passes, nothing impressive, you know, nothing uh, challenging for him. Just trying to give him layups. You know, I thought the defense played well. I thought it was a good, it was a good football game. I think in terms of what we want, you know, like real ex- realistic expectations for a Tom Brady returning to New England, I thought we got a good football game. And as far as the Bill Belichick stuff, it is it happened exactly how we'd expect, right? When the camera's on, quick hug, get in, get out. And then when there's no cameras, Bill Belichick went to the uh, Buccaneers locker room and personally spoke to Tom Brady and the rest of the team. Bill Belichick doesn't give a fuck about the cameras. And he doesn't care about news or reporters or ESPN or anything like that. He cares about football. He cares about his people. Tom Brady's his people. He made a bet that Tom Brady might have been done. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He was not done. Bill Belichick was wrong about uh, getting rid of Tom Brady, but it's so his boy. I love that this game came down to basically Justin Bethel having to get inserted for Jonathan Jones when he had to miss a play. And then Brady immediately attacked that spot and got a big first down on third down and led to a Bucks field goal, obviously. But um, yeah, no, that was that was crazy. And I thought Steve Belichick, obviously the star here with his faces and look and everything, but I thought they caught a great game. Uh, Matt Judon had a case for being the best player in this game as a whole. Um, the the Pat Stevens did a lot. And Mac Jones, like you said, a lot of five-yard and, and less dink and dunks. But Kendrick Bourne looks really good in this offense. Um, he's been a good 49ers signing for them. Legend. 49ers legend. Um, they get both their new tight ends, TDs in the game. I, I like the game plan. The broadcast was way too in on... Uh, on um, the fact that they could not run the football with Damian Harris and behind that offensive line. But I didn't think that was really a problem. They were able to move the ball. Uh, They had a lot, a lot of long drives. And I think if you're able to put together a lot of drives like that, it doesn't really matter if you're doing it by three yard dinks and dunks and screens and stuff like that versus, uh, versus running the ball. Um, I don't think it really mattered, especially in the rain. Uh, It was fine. I I thought Mac Jones did a lot. Um, Confident, made the right throws. He got away with a pick six to Devin white that would have iced the game, like just an all-time bad rookie quarterback play that would have iced it anyway. But um, would you have kicked there? And we'll we'll end on that. Would you have made? Would you have gone for it on fourth and three, or would you have kicked the fifty-six yarder with Nick Folk? Well, you know, I mean, if you look at uh, what Mac Jones was doing mm-hmm. from a production standpoint, three yards, yeah, I would have probably gone for it. Uh, but you got to remember, I just was in Santa Clara watching a punter kick field goals. I don't ever want to see another field goal again. Go, go for it every time. Is Robbie Gold going to be back next week? Uh, no, his, his dick's going to be out for <laughs> weeks. It's going to be out for a couple weeks, yeah. Going to have to bring somebody in because obviously you can't have your punter kicking field goals. I mean, we just signed Dustin Colquitt to punt, so things things are bad um, at this point. Another Colquitt. There's always always another Colquitt. You know what I got to say, though? Mm-hmm. Young Ho Koo, Young Ho mm-hmm. that man got cut. That man struggled, and they came in, and now he's an incredible kicker. I, I, why can't that happen with the 49ers? He's great. Love him. Went to Georgia Southern, local kid. I like it. Um, the Bengals, Joe Burrow, the real king of that draft, the quarterback king of that draft. <laughs> we call him baby Brady, baby Montana, a lot of different nicknames for, for the coolest college quarterback of all time. Joe Burrow on Thursday night football feels like forever ago. 
wins 24-21 over the Jaguars. Are you a Bayou Bengal believer yet? No. Okay. Can he play a three real and one? NFL team? Three and one? Can he? Yeah, three and one. Mm-hmm. Who, who has he played? I mean, the Jaguars. Uh, no one just every, beats the Jaguars on Thursday knows. night. Yeah. yeah, you don't just walk in <laughs> and beat the uh, Jaguars. So far, the Bengals have played mm-hmm. the Bears, mm-hmm. the Steelers, mm-hmm. and the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Guess who they play next? Uh, they also played um, the Vikings, just to, to clarify. They beat the Vikings in week one. Yeah. The one and three Vikings. But uh, people are saying one and three Minnesota, but easily three and one and one of the one of the better better wins for the Bengals. Uh, who do they got this week? Do they have the Green Bay Packers? The, the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. So if they win against the Green Bay Packers, I'll be very impressed. But at this moment, not very impressed. I got to say the Bengals have a very easy schedule this year. Are we sure who the better quarterback in the game on Sunday will be? You do know they play the Chargers this year, right? Oh, I can't wait. This podcast might end. Like, it might just The Chargers combust. are going are going to throttle the Bengals. Mm, it's throttle. early. It's early. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on Joe Mixon. But I, want, but I, but I, want to do, I do mm-hmm. want to say, though, I, I genuinely would like to say Joe Burrow looked good. He played well. He, you know, he had a decent running game. He was able to do a lot. Tyler Boyd is still, to me, one of the most underrated pass catchers in the NFL. He is just a, a you know, a reception machine. PPR nightmare. Uh, you know, he's looking good. They Burrow's need T. Higgins good. back. He was out. He's been out the last two weeks. They need him back in the fold because they had 11 personnel with T. Um, Boyd, your guy Boyd, and Jamar Chase. They need those three in there. But uh, Jamar Chase really is benefiting from having – a bunch of other receivers that they have to guard. Panay Sewell, Detroit Lions, winless. Bengals, Jamar Chase, three and one. People people forget. Um, can we get a 30 for 30 on that Davis Mills performance against the Bills where they lose 40 to nothing on Sunday? I wouldn't want a 30 for 30 or just like a full walk through play by play of how this happened because it was one of the all time worst quarterback performances. And I don't know how you don't sign Cam Newton after this. I don't know how you don't address the quarterback situation uh, to some degree. Um, poor Tyrod. They were looking good before he went down, but I just, that was, it's really hard to go to get blanked in the modern NFL. It's really hard to look that, that, bad offensively and they're a run first team weirdly enough they ran okay i think both their their backs ingram and uh, johnson averaged like a little over four yards per carry but yeah they're run first very weird offense they're one of the teams that rarely pass early on on downs um but yeah an all-time terrible performance from from davis mills are you are you out on the on the texans quarterback situation <laughs> What a weird question. Mm. I, I will say it is, it is never easy to go uh, go out on an NFL football field and not put up a single point, mm-hmm. but to do it while the other team scores 40 points. It was a college score. This was like one of those you see in a like a power five team. Yeah, against, like, like yeah. Georgia Southern Baptist or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, yeah, 100 percent. I don't I, you know. This is the Houston Texans that we expected. Uh, their win is now looking even more insane. <laughs> you know, but, you know, the first couple of weeks of the NFL always really kind of, you know, shows some surprises. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk about the Texans any more than I need to. I'm concerned we're going to have to talk about them soon because I still think. Never mind, I'm not even getting to the Dolphins stuff, but I, I am, I'm very, I'm increasingly more concerned about that. Um, Justin Fields, 12.1 yards per attempt in his win against Detroit. He didn't have to throw the ball that much, but when he did, he threw downfield. He did a dime down the right side. That was pretty nice. Matt Tice did a full breakdown on his Substack, so go check that out. Or Nate Tice, excuse me, go check that out if you're not already. Um, did you like what you saw from Fields in the start? Bill Lazor called this game. Matt Nagy did not and gave some weird post-game analysis as to how the play calling works. Very defensive, very insecure. Very weird time. Encourage folks to go listen to that if they have not already. Very weird stuff. Um, and then 22 tackles between two former dogs. Great Georgia weekend. Uh, Ogletree and Roquan Smith. 22 tackles between the two of them. Roquan uh, Smith is so good. Yeah. Justin Fields, though, 12.1 yards per attempt. He didn't throw downfield at all last week, and then when he did this week, he made it count. What do you make of it? Justin Fields is getting better. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely getting better. Um, but, you yeah, know, this is this was a tough game. <laughs> it was interesting to see. You know, you want to see him throw some touchdowns. So it's kind of hard to, like, get excited, right? Uh, when he still hasn't thrown a touchdown. But, uh, yeah, you know, we're seeing downfield attempts with Mooney, and we're starting to realize that they've got a damn good receiver with Darnell Mooney. Um, Darnell Mooney is exciting. He's one of those guys you see, you know, get drafted later later in the the first few rounds, and you're like, oh, gosh, I wish my team would have drafted him, and I wish my team would have drafted him. But it was good. I think it was a building block for Justin Fields. I think it is the type of momentum that he needs on a very bad team to continue to build a rapport with his receivers, to continue to to get a feel of you know NFL game speed. And uh, I'm happy. Uh, you know, it's early. I haven't gotten to see Trey Lance yet. We'll see him maybe next week. But I am still of the mind that I I really wish that they would have drafted Justin Fields. I think he is the perfect, uh, you know, NFL quarterback for, for Kyle Shanahan and his offense when it is working. Absolutely. Um, Dallas second half 20 to nothing in the third quarter to blow it open against Carolina. Did you see this second half performance and Dallas running away with this one coming? Yeah. I, are they as good as they, they look? Cause it means I'm going to be so sad if the Dallas Cowboys are genuinely a good football team. I mean, Trayvon Diggs is a star. Um, They're forcing turnovers, which is huge for them. They're healthy uh, for the most part. The offense, Dak is just, he's confident, man. They are, I don't know, they are moving with a purpose. Did you see Matt Roll compare Dak to Peyton Manning this week? No, I didn't. That's interesting. I mean, okay, so (laughs) you get 143 rushing yards out of Zeke. Mm -hmm. You get... 220 rushing yards from your running backs. Dak throws for 188 yards. Throws four touchdowns. Mm. 188 yards. I just think the Dallas Cowboys are playing complete football right now. I agree. I think that's what it really comes down to. I think Dak has always been a guy that's shown that he can play very well on a really good football team. Their offensive line is absolutely dominating right now 
and you know, you throw two interceptions against a team that can score points, it's never going to be easy. No. Um, I think the Panthers are fine, though. I think this performance was ultimately okay. Dallas is, I think, better than all of us expected, and them coming close against the Bucks was more of an indicator of where they're at. I think Dallas is good. I think they're, they have a legitimate shot of competing and contending in the NFC this year if they can stay healthy. Um, the Colts could run on Miami. Miami could not run on the Colts. Um, Carson Wentz had a really good game. Jacoby Brissett did not. Um, man, Miami is one and three, and the division has fallen out of grass with Buffalo clicking on all cylinders. They're right there with New England. Um, man, just the start from hell for Miami. But uh, do you think they figure some stuff out? Jonathan Taylor running over 100 yards. Uh, are the Colts a good bounce back? Uh, candidate or especially after seeing the titans who we'll get to in a second uh losing overtime to new york are you are you buying some some indie stock right now no <laughs> i mean i'm bu- buying purchasing with my mm-hmm. own heart and money no yeah. absolutely not okay uh do i think it was a decent win maybe not really honestly can we talk about the dolphins man mm-hmm. the dolphins continue to have really decent Team talent, not bad. They've got you know they draft some exciting players, right? They j- drafted Mike Jacecki. They drafted Jalen Waddle. You know, I just I feel like they're in purgatory, man. Like they obviously they lost to a. I was someone was talking about it on Twitter today about Justin Herbert and how you know well he went to a much better situation than Tua did going to Miami. You know, obviously Miami passed on Justin Herbert. And I just like Justin Herbert was on a bad football team last year and looked great. And he made other players better this year. He's making other players better. The dolphins have a pretty decent roster. What is the, what do you, what is your major issue with the dolphins this year? What are like, what is the missing link? Is it the quarterback? I think the quarterback's part of it. I don't think they have any explosion. Like Jalen Waddle is not, uh, an explosive guy like Albert Wilson used to be that guy. They had Jakeem Grant. They don't do anything on the explosion front. There's they're just not scheming any big plays. Like there's no big play threat with the Dolphins whatsoever. It's a very anemic, anemic offense. Um, a lot of short stuff, and I I don't know. There's just not a not a lot of intrigue with this George Godsey. Uh, is it Stutterville? I forgot who he's sharing the offensive call, uh, play calling duties with, but um, it's just not good. It uh, It's not good. And them not addressing the quarterback situation and banking on Tua, whew, it's not looking good. And that was why I kind of hinted at the Houston stuff because I don't know if they continue down this road longer and longer and he doesn't go on the exempt list. Like I just, I think those, those questions and those, that, that, that chatter is going to get, louder and louder unfortunately um because it does feel like they are just missing something at the quarterback front and this just they're they're not explosive like no one's scared to face this miami offense um and when you make indy look like the more competent offense of the bunch it's a bad look um baker completed less than 50 percent of his passes on sunday he high-stepped in a very mesmerizing gif i don't know if you saw that on Sunday, but he high stepped on a on a QB scramble, but it did not matter for Cleveland Evans Swords because Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt rushed for almost 200 yards on the day, uh, both good for five yards per carry. 
Uh, what do you make of the Browns winning with Baker being inefficient and them just being able to run all over you? I don't know, man. This is two games in a row. We have to like spend time and effort talking about two boring football teams. I mean, Baker Mayfield threw for 140, 55 yards and zero touchdowns. Mm. Like, you know, I, I don't understand. I feel bad for Odell. I feel bad for Austin Hooper. I feel bad for Nick Chubb. I feel bad for Njoku. Like, yeah, they won. Yeah, they're three and one. But like, the Browns have so much talent that just they don't do a whole lot with. They signed Austin Hooper to this ridiculous contract. Mm. I don't know, but they still won. They still won. They're three and one. Baker didn't throw an interception. That's you know something you're, that's usually a win. Um, but yeah, these are just two two teams that were just i don't i have no no interest in talking about i'm just curious how long this can persist and i'm curious to see if this is sustainable for for cleveland i just don't have a good read on them at all i I have no read on cleveland this is a great this is a great game for that read the vikings aren't a good football team Mm. baker mayfield is supposed to be a you know in their eyes a perennial star in the nfl Right. That's like that's the way they project him. That's why he's marketed. You go up against a bad football team and you throw for 155 yards. Like, I mean, 35 rushing attempts. Mm. I mean, I don't know, man, it worked. But like, you know, they scored two touchdowns. Seven to 14 is just one of the saddest football scores you can possibly get. Like literally no field goals. Three touchdowns overall in a game. I don't know. I think I think the Cleveland Browns are just not – they're not a Super Bowl contender. Flame me if you want. Whatever. I am more concerned than I was before the season because I had the Browns in the Super Bowl. I had, I think I had Browns-Rams. Um, not feeling great about Cleveland at the moment, but we'll see. It's a long year. We'll see. Um, speaking of the up and downs, the New Orleans Saints – um, they lose to the Giants. Giants get their first win in overtime. Um, something I'd noticed perusing this game. A lot of Kamara. The, the wide receiver room in New Orleans is, is bad. Marquez Callaway's asked to do a lot. Um, this group just needs more pass catchers. Like This offense runs exclusively through Kamara. You could blame Jameis. This is not a Jameis thing. This is just like a talent out wide situation. Because when you compare it to New York, I think that's one of the more frustrating things about the Giants and probably for Giants fans is that like they have talent all over the place. And Barkley got some got some great work. He had the game winning touchdown, obviously, but like he got a lot more stuff out wide because he has not been able to run the ball all year um, up the middle and not he's struggled to break tackles that sort of thing. But He's been good out of the backfield. And then you have Canarius Tony, you have Kenny Galladay, and you look at it and you have Evan Ingram. Like you have dudes all over the place that can do stuff. And I thought this was a good coming out party. Daniel Jones has graded well to this point, but this is a this is a big win. Maybe a, a Jason Garrett job saving win for for the Giants. But I was surprised by this result. And I another team I cannot get a read on to this point. Not having Michael Thomas matters, but I think the Saints really, really underestimated um, going into a year with this this limited of a wideout playmaker room outside of Kamara because it cannot just be Kamara this much. Um, I don't know. Do you agree? I mean, 
to me, if you're looking outside, looking in, this is just a team that spent the last few years of Drew Brees' career going all in, hoping to kind of win another Super Bowl ring with Drew Brees. And I think you're seeing kind of uh, the effects of that. They're not necessarily a terrible team. They're not necessarily a good team. You know, they can have exciting plays. They can have, have exciting games. But you lose to the Giants, especially after how bad the Giants looked last week. I don't know. Kadarius Tony, though, a receiver I really liked you know, in the draft. He looked great for, you know, explosive play-wise. John Ross. Yes, another name. Yep. If he can stay healthy. The resurgence of John Ross. What? Everyone's favorite uh, deep threat. He's the great what if. Are, are tight ends that are highly touted coming out of the NFL, are they disappointments or are they just, or is the position not as exciting as we think? And there's not, you know, for every one George Kittle, there's, you know, a handful of Evan Ingrams. Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure because Kyle Pitts is going to be a guy and he's uh, more of a different kind of breed. Cause I don't even want to call him a yeah, tight end. Kyle Pitts is not, he is not what we're talking about here. Talking about the Mike Jusecki's, the Noah fans, mm-hmm. right? The Evan Ingram's right. These, these really at uh, what's it, the guy in um, Cleveland. What's his name? Austin Hooper. No, the other one. Oh, David New Joku. Yeah. These really mm-hmm. athletic tight ends that just don't really pan out. Mark Andrews has been pretty good in Baltimore. Mark Andrews has been great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to read a piece on it. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't think I'm capable of answering that question. But I would like to know why. It seems like a lot of them are pretty average, um, and a lot of them are. It seems like the ones that aren't, like the Darren Wallers, are just like the the late round physical freaks that you're just throwing a flyer on, and you you just hope you you bet right there. Um, I don't know. I'd like to read a piece on that or talk to some coaches about it. I, I would love to to pick the brain of some front offices about it. Um, Derrick Henry ran for 33 carries in that loss to the New York Jets on Sunday. Great weekend for New York City. Um, the Titans are not good, but also Ryan Tannehill threw the ball almost 50 times in this game. Like it's preposterous going through this drive chart and going through what the Titans are in 2021 versus what they've been the last couple of years. Um, this is just a, a weird group, weird game plan. They really miss Arthur Smith. Todd Downing, I don't think has done a great job there. They can rely on Derrick Henry to keep them in games, but like it's not sustainable to have Tannehill have to throw that much. And Zach Wilson had a dime in this one where he pushed, um, I think it was Corey Davis. He was like, no, 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 go deep, go deep. I got this. Great, great pass. Um, I also learned after this game how Robert Sala sounds. I, I realized that I had not really paid that close attention to his voice. Have you, do you, do you remember his, his voice? You just asked me if I remember my defensive <laughs> coordinator's voice. I did. I mean, yeah. It's preposterous. It is. He was built for Halloween. That is a Halloween voice. It startled me. I'm not going to lie. It's a very, very distinct, very, very uh, deep and a very, very terrifying, terrifying voice. Because I was him to talk after the game as well. But um, yeah, what do you make of the Titans offense and Derrick Henry still just for whatever reason, he's effective 33 carries, but it's like, when is this luck going to run out? And when is he going to fall, fall back down to earth? Like every other running back who carries this kind of load. 
I mean, I don't really, you know, what he, whatever load he carries is none of my business. That's that's his personal life. Um, the, the Titans are a very weird team because I think the Titans were exceeding a lot of expectations the last couple of years, especially when Tannehill took over. And I think get it together, lock it up. And I think that you're starting to maybe see the real Tennessee Titans. Right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, although A.J. Brown was injured this game, he has not looked good this year. I, I Tannehill's not really, you know, he's not, he's, I don't know, it's not the same. Is this an Arthur Smith thing? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the Tennessee Titans are really, I think they're slowly coming back down to earth. I agree. Um, but they also, we should mention, did not have A.J. Brown and Julio in this game. But uh, that's going to be the case for a while. I think Julio's going to miss a couple of these games, my guess. Um, Tyreek Hill and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire go off against Philly. They win in a shootout. We talked last week about Tyreek Hill and the impact of shutting him down and how that changes things, them not being able to run the football and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire struggling. Um, they ran all over Philly, and Tyreek Hill went, went off. And... Um, it's just really, 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 really hard to beat the Chiefs when when you can't contain Tyreek Hill. If you don't contain Tyreek Hill, I don't think you have a shot because it just it blows games open rather quickly. And it's just if the Mahomes to Hill connections clicking, I, I don't know what you do and I don't know how you you win that that shootout. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw the Chiefs that we all kind of are worried about whenever you play the chiefs. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's kind of what it comes down to Patrick Mahomes threw for five touchdowns. Um, you know, uh, Tyree kill 186 yards, three touchdowns, 16.9 yards per carry is the most like Tyree kill ass st- stat line I've ever seen. Uh, but you know, I think what was funny is like the highest receiving total after that yards was Travis Kelsey and Brian Pringle with 23 yards. Like mm-hmm. this was straight up a Tyreek Hill show. And they still rushed, you know, like <laughs> what, 33 times or something like that. So this is just this is this is the Kansas City Chiefs you're worried about, right? A team that can just absolutely go out and put so many points on the board that it doesn't matter how well you play defensively or offensively because you're just not going to score as much. We just have to – I'm putting them in a different tier. I don't think they're a contender. I don't think they're on the level of the Bills. For me, I think the Bills are still the best team in the AFC right now. And I think it's just the defense. Like, I think there are real, real problems with this Kansas City defense. Like, it's it's objectively bad. And I don't think you can win a, win a title with this with this current state. But maybe they make a trade midseason. Um, I'm a little concerned there. Uh, we already talked a lot about the Kyler cards – situation against los angeles they blow out the rams to stay undefeated i think we can agree this was the stunner of the weekend but a great win for the cards um baltimore though beating denver um the explosive play department is finally uh rearing its under ugly head in denver um they're coming back down to earth a little bit drew lock had to step in because teddy got rattled in this one drew lock was not good baltimore did enough to win um but baltimore Explosive pass plays, 14.4 yards per attempt. Denver, 9.8. What do you, what do you think of this, this game and the Ravens winning a big one in mile high? 
I, like I said earlier, I do think the NFL is still settling itself and starting, you know, trying to figure itself out. I think teams are still trying to, you know, really like lock in with what type of football team they are. You know, the Panthers looked really good this year in the beginning, but that didn't work out. You know, they obviously played the Cowboys. They play really good football team. They win. Uh, I think the same thing here, right? I think the Broncos have been playing well so far. It's really early in the season. You know, they're winning some football games, and then I think they played a really good team, and, and they lost. Uh, the Ravens – the Ravens are <laughs> – I don't know. It is it is interesting, right? I, I don't I, – I think the same way that you talked about the Chiefs, right, is kind of the same read that I have on the Ravens. You know, I think we expect a lot from Lamar Jackson's MVP season. You kind of – you want to see that again. Mm-hmm. But – I just I don't know that I trust the Broncos. I don't, you know. I, it's exciting for the, their fan base, and I'm sure they're having a lot of fun, uh, you know, going into a year. But like, you know, you were very high on Teddy, and I, I can, you know, I think I kind of told you that we're looking. You, that you, there's going to be a correction, just the same way with the Titans. He got hurt. He got hurt. I, I wouldn't say there's a correction yet. I would I would still say they're fine. They need to get healthy at the wide receiver spot though. They need it can't just be all Cortland Sutton. Um last game, and we'll get into our picks this week. Our screw the lines week five picks. But um I would like you to guess what Big Ben's yards per attempt was in that pit versus Green Bay game on Sunday. No, I will not do that. I won't play your game. Ben Roethlisberger needs to retire. And he needs to pay back the team his money. He is a thief. I get it. I get the competition factor. We're long past that. It is time to give up and give your money back. Today, you have the balls to say that the team needs to take a hard look in the mirror and figure out what kind of team they are. They're a team with a terrible quarterback. He threw 40 times. Ben Roethlisberger threw 40 times. He um, he averaged, I'm going to give you the number here, 5.8 yards per attempt in this one. Pretty good. It was Pretty the bad. Deontay Johnson show. That man is feasting on these little short passes. But, um, yeah, this offense is just broken. Um, it doesn't matter what Matt Canada tries to scheme up here. Um, it's just... Mike Tomlin, man, he had the the play of the night though when he called that timeout and it it to troll Aaron Rodgers and he like winked at Aaron and Aaron loved it. That was great, very very much a proof of Mike Tomlin. And hey, you have a great win loss record, my friends. Like this is a very Mike Tomlin friendly podcast, and he is tanking tanking games with Ben Roethlisberger. I just refuse to believe that Dobbs or Rudolph or even Haskins cannot cannot be more effective than what Ben's doing. And I understand like the whole history and you, you want to put out a, a Pittsburgh legend the right way, this, that, and the other, but this is worse than what Drew Brees was last year. And the difference being Drew Brees was still winning football games. The The New Orleans Saints were still finding ways to win. When Peyton Manning was broken down to nothing, they still were winning football games. That is not the case in, uh, in Pittsburgh. And I think one in three, you're just going to have to have some real tough conversations uh, with this group. And it doesn't always end like a, a breeze or something like that. Sometimes it ends like a Philip Rivers or something. So I uh, I would pull the plug, but uh, we shall see what happens here. Uh, Mr. Swartz, 
Are you ready for our two minutes to get through our picks? Do you have last week's results in front of you? I do. Let's get through them. All right. How did I do? Did I win again last week? Okay, let's go. I think this is the right. Is this for the 49ers? Well, either way. Yeah, I got I got the team out. Let me pull up the scores, and we'll get through this first part very quick. Okay. Uh, we both took, we both picked the Bengals. We both picked the Titans, which means we got that wrong. Uh, I picked the Lions. You picked the Bears. You got that right. We both picked the Dolphins. I picked the Browns. You picked the Vikings. I got that right. Uh, we both picked the Falcons. Both picked the Bills. Both picked the Saints. Both picked the Chiefs. We both picked the Cowboys. Mm. Both picked the Rams. Wish we got that wrong. Both picked the Packers. I did pick the Ravens. You picked the Broncos. Uh, we both picked the Butt Bucks. And uh, I picked the Chargers, and you picked the Raiders. Oof. So it sounds like you won this week. I did. You gotta, you're going to have to stop disrespecting the best quarterback in the NFL, Justin Herbert. Oh, my goodness. Oh my I mean, I don't understand. Oh, my goodness. Like, I don't understand, like, why you continue to dig your heels into this. This is such a weird battle to have. Like, he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. He's just phenomenal. He consistently makes plays that you – could defend perfectly and it does not matter. Are we talking about Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert? I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm talking about the best quarterback in the NFL, Justin Herbert. Mm. Did you see the animation that they made for Justin Herbert tonight? I did not. It was him dancing in front of an in and out. And I don't know if you know, Justin Herbert, that man does not dance. No, I, I, I would not uh, suspect he was a, he's a smart kid though. I think he, he was like four Oh, at uh at Oregon. Very, 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 very smart kid. I don't All know if right. he knew this or not, but Mac Jones also very smart. I don't know if Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels made made enough notes about his four GPA at the University of Alabama. But just for people who forget, uh, Mac Jones, four Smart football guy. Matt, yeah, I hope I never have to I don't know. I just don't like I don't like Mac Jones. Mm. I don't like you don't want to revisit? Let's do 20 minutes on Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and how close he was to being a 49er to wrap exactly up here. Exactly what I need in my life, to be honest <laughs> with you. I am real. I hope Lance plays next week so we can actually see what's going on. But, yeah, it'll it'll be very interesting um, to watch those two play throughout the years. Okay. Well, let's get into our schedule. What do we have on the slate this week in the NFL, sir? All right. Well, so go ahead, getting started with the Rams and the Seahawks. What do you got? Ooh, this was tough. Thursday, short week. Uh, the Seahawks, like beating the Niners, you still get beat up. I'm a little concerned about that. I think the Rams are going to be feisty uh, coming off that embarrassing loss. Not No disrespect to Arizona, but Los Angeles sees themselves as the cream of the crop in the NFC. Um, I am going to say the Rams bounce back here on a short week. The Seahawks are really beat up after that San Francisco win. Give me the Rams. I'm absolutely taking the Rams here, which is very exciting for me because if the 49ers win, they'll be ahead of the Seahawks again. But yeah, the Rams are going to stomp out the Seahawks. The Seahawks did not look good. They got lucky. I can't stress this enough. Mm-hmm. Jamie, I mean, Jamie throws picks in the middle of the field all day long. 
And that's exactly what they did. They put Diggs in the middle of the field waiting for him to make a mistake. It was very planned. It was very smart by Pete Carroll. They do not uh, have that luck this week. Jets and Falcons, the saddest game of the week. You have to wake up early just to watch that sadness. Well, I get up early anyway. It's just more that I have to like watch the Falcons first. Like I don't like my morning 630 to watch that game. Wait, say that one more time. The game's at 930 your time, right? Yes. Yeah, do you think I wa- should I wake up at 6.30 to watch that game? If you were a good podcast friend, I would assume so. Oh, God, no. Hmm. There are limits to our friendship. Uh, give me the Jets because the Falcons are, are that bad, folks. Oh, man. So are the Falcons. Or so are the Jets. Oh, so you're going Falcons here. Uh, I don't know that I... I don't know. I, I'm. You know what? Just, for, I'll, just to be safe, I'm going to go with the Jets, too. Um, and I think it would be really cool for Sala to get a two wins in a row. Patriots, Texans. Oh, is man. Mac, is Mac Jones the luckiest guy in the world that after that game he gets to play the Texans? Yeah, I mean, he, he can't like he can't play any better, right? Like, I think he's going to complete a bunch of passes. I think they should be able to run the ball better than they did against Tampa. I think he's going to be very relieved to go up against this anemic Houston front seven versus what he was dealing with with Tampa, which is arguably the best in football this year. So uh, Patriots bounce back, win big. Uh, yeah, I agree. Lions and Vikings, another very, very boring, boring game. The Lions have been good. Like they, the wins aren't there. Jared Goff had another good game last week. They can't really run the ball. Jamal Williams has been good, but man, that receiving group is awful. Quintez Cephas is like their leading snap getter at wide out. It's wild. Um, the Vikings, their season's over if they lose this one. Like this, this is it. One and three. Um, go ahead and pencil it off. Zimmer is in trouble. Like this is like all hands on deck uh, if they lose this one to the zero and four Lions. So give me, give me the Vikings. All right. I um, I don't know, man. I wanted to take the Lions here, but yeah, I think it's got to be the Vikings. The Lions look pretty bad this week. Uh, Eagles and Panthers. This is a weird game. Back and forth on this one. The Eagles offense has been good. Nick Sirianni has impressed me. Um, Panthers, though, I think they people are going to overreact a little bit too much to the to that loss against Dallas and their second half performance. I think they bounce back here. Darnold still, he's running the ball really well. Um, I like this Panthers group. I think they're legitimately good. I don't think it's a fluke. Their start. Give me, give me the Panthers here. Yeah, I, I think the Panthers are the better team here. The Eagles have just had some weird games where they play really well. Um, I could see that here. Not that I think they're going to win, but I could definitely see that type of outcome. Uh, but I will be taking the Panthers as well. God, man, these are some tough games. Saints and Washington football team. This is tough. I um the the Jekyll and Hyde Saints. I could see this being a blowout, kind of like what happened with Buffalo a couple weeks ago. So I could see the Saints bouncing back after that embarrassing loss against the Giants. I don't see Sean Payton losing to two NFC East to NFC least rather foes back to back weeks. Uh, give me give me the give me the Saints here. Yeah, once again, I just I, I don't care about this game at all. I mean, we're looking at look at that. I mean, Jets, Falcons, Patriots, Texans, Lions, Vikings, Eagles, Panthers, Saints, Washington football teams, and then we're following it up with the Titans and Jaguars. Like these are some bad games this week. Uh, I will glad that I will be watching football live. I will be taking the Saints. What do you got for the Titans and Jags? 
not going to watch one second of this one, but um, give me give me the Titans here because the Jags are that bad, and I think uh, they their offense is still just not good enough to to combat these high scoring teams. And I think the Titans are going to put a lot of points. I'll, I'll guess that Julio and AJ Brown are back for this one. Uh, give me give me the Titans here. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it, the Titans need this type of bounce back game, so I will be I will be picking the Titans here. Dolphins Bucks, I think that's a pretty straightforward one. Yes, the the Bucks, man, one and four Dolphins, one and four Dolphins. I wonder if Brian Flores' job is that surprising to, to you? Really? Like, I mean, is this surprising? Like that they just consistently underwhelm. I mean, they had. AFC East champion aspirations before the season. I know. But they, but that's what I'm saying. This is normal. I guess it is normal, but still just uh, a bummer for, for Dolphins fans. Um, yeah, give me the bucks here. All right. Packers and Bengals. How much do you believe in your boy? I mean, I think he's going to play well here. I think this is going to be going to be a fun game for him. Curious to see... Uh, what this Green Bay secondary looks like to to defend this eleven personnel juggernaut. I don't know if Mixon's going to play in this one. We'll see. AJ Dillon got uh, a lot of run last week. Uh, give me the Packers, but I think this one will be surprisingly close for a lot of folks. Bengals are undefeated against the NFC North to this point. People forget that. Yeah, I uh, I'm like I said, I agree. I I think. Uh... <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Joe Burrow's getting lit up by the Packers. I don't even think the Packers are that good. Mm. Okay. Uh, Broncos and Steelers, another supremely disappointing game. Who? Um, I don't. Yeah, this one sounded a lot better before the season, but uh, it's also weird to have this one on at one o'clock. It's kind of a weird one, but uh, no. Broncos bounce back here. Four and one Broncos. One and four Steelers. Yeah, I'm going to take the Broncos here just because we need to continue the pain and suffering of Ben Roethlisberger stealing all this money. Bears and Raiders? Ooh, this is an interesting one. Um, it looks like Fields is going to get in their start here. I don't think Andy Dalton will be cleared. Uh, he did say that if Andy Dalton is healthy, he's starting him. I just don't think he'll be healthy based on the report. So we, we could see. But Bill Lazor uh, called a really good game on Sunday. So they were able to run the ball all over uh the game on sunday but um oakland two in a row do we see two in a row for them no give me give me the raiders here give me the raiders car i think this is a big one for max crosby he's gonna have fun against uh this bears front uh you know i will say this the the raiders better win i think they're going to but like you 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 go back to back losses after playing a real football team it's just mm. raiders better win here and i think they will Browns and Chargers. Mm. I love this because I know you're going to take the Browns and the Chargers are going to beat the dog shit out of the Browns. No, this will be close. This is going to be a great game, though. Great for going to be a great game. game. Great game. Uh, give me the Browns. I know. You're always – you're just so predictable. Giants and Cowboys, this is not predictable. I I mean, man, 5-0 and o Cardinals. Is that where we're at? No, give me the Niners. No, Giants. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. We um Cowboys. Cowboys are good. I think they blow out the Giants here. This might be like the Jason Garrett game. I mean, this is the Jason Garrett bowl. 
I think the Cowboys are going to be excited to to lay it to this Giants group, giving the Cowboys big. I got to say this, man. The 49ers should have won this week. They should have won last week. They should win against the Cardinals, even though it's at home, even though the Cardinals are playing well. If the 49ers lose this fucking football game, I don't know what you do. I don't know how you recover from that. I don't even, you know, it's not, it's still early in the week, in the season with 17 games. Right. But like two and three, it's a bad look for the 49ers. You got to buy after this. If you can get a win, be three and two, go into a buy. It's ideal, but uh, we'll see how much uh, bad luck I bring. Cause I will be at this game for a bachelor party in a suite. So I will be wasted. <laughs> there you go. Um, like I said, I think the Niners are actually going to bounce back here. I think this has all the makings of a Niners bounce back. I would be surprised if Cliff and the Cardinals go back to back against the Rams and the, the Niners. I mean, if they do, it's a very, you know, remember it was plus 5,000. Not that we care about the lines here, but plus 5,000 for Kyler Murray to be the MVP at the beginning of the season. Hmm. Um, where are we going next? Sunday Night Football. Ooh, this is a delight. Yeah, Bills and Chiefs. This is Ooh. easily going to be one of my favorite games of the season. No surprise. But the question is, who do you have? Because the Chiefs looked really good this week. I I think the Bills win this game. Bills are good, man. I think the Bills are maybe the best team in football to this point. I, I I'm really really high on the Bills. Give me give me the Bills here. I, you know, I think, you know, the Bills have been a very, uh, a team I was high, on, very high on, right? They were my Super Bowl contender beginning of the season. I think they, you know, struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season. We're starting to see now uh, the Bills team that I was expecting to show up. They should beat the Chiefs. I think the only way they don't is, well, I would say some Patrick Mahomes magic, but you know who we're kind of maybe not thinking of? Who are we not thinking of here? For which side? This is going to be the entrance of Josh Gordon on the mm. Yeah. Who is reportedly at 7% body fat, which if you're unfamiliar, that requires fucking steroids. <laughs> it is physically impossible to get your body to that low of body What's DK fat. Metcalf? I think same thing. Okay. But what are you? DK does uh, I think me personally, and obviously you don't have running, to answer that question. I, I was joking. No, I think it's a good, I think it's a good indicator for the, the two, the subject though. Like I'm in really good shape, but I also like don't watch what I eat and, you know, drink when I want to and things like that. And I'm at like a solid, probably 14%, 13% body fat. And I work out six days a week and eat fairly well. Most of the time uh, I, to get to 7% body fat is one unhealthy and two requires steroids. Mm. There you go. Um, last game, Monday night, another game without the Manning cast. Just an absolute disaster to not uh, have the Manning cast for a month. Um, Colts at Ravens, right? Yeah. Mm. This is going to stink. But I will say, we'll say, the Colts still have an AFC South chance. Um, hmm. Is there a luck? Is there a 
let down look ahead special here because I got the Chargers at home the next week. Um, no, I don't think the Ravens. Don't ever think this, Chase. Don't ever think this. Uh, give me the Ravens. Yeah, I don't think you need to overthink this. The Ravens are the better football team here. The Colts have a lot of struggles. Remember, Quentin Nelson just went on IR. Take the Ravens here. Absolutely. All right, sir. I think that's uh, that's every game. Am I wrong? That is every game, my friend. All right. Well, we already did the two-minute award says. Um, check that We're out. We're locked you... in, man. We're, We're locked in, ready to go. This is a very efficient week. Very efficient week. Very efficient week. Don't forget, folks, uh, make sure to follow Mr. Swords on Twitter.com at Burner underscore Swords. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter at SportsRenaissanceMan.Subsec.com. Uh, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com. And Evan, you know what I'm going to do here at the end. You know how we wrap up every week on this podcast. Evan, what what, what, do, we, what do they do? What, do? what do the good people do as we wrap up here tonight? Well, I mean, you have to you have to look at yourself in the mirror and, and go, who, who was the most impressive quarterback in the NFL this, this season so far. What was the most impressive quarterback performance you could possibly look at? Uh, there was some really good ones, right? Uh, Justin Herbert threw four touchdowns last week, threw three this week. We've seen what Derek Carr has done. But I think to me, the most impressive touchdown uh, and, and, you know, kind of performance by quarterback was obviously by Patrick Mahomes this week because he threw five touchdowns and like Patrick Mahomes throwing a touchdown uh, for each star, you want to rate five stars. The way that Patrick Mahomes would throw five touchdowns, we are going to rate five stars on podcasts so that Chase can continue to succeed <laughs> in life the way that Patrick Mahomes succeeds when he throws five touchdowns. Mm. And, and also because I have half a voice, uh, I am burning holes in my wallet. And, uh, I just watched my two favorite football teams lose in epic proportions this week. So uh, pity me and go rate five stars on this podcast that I get to come on and do. Fantastic work as usual, Mr. Swords. I will talk to you next week. All right, man. All right, hello, and welcome back to the Monday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am now joined by 680s on-air talent, Carlos Medina of the Audio Fun Bag, and Chuck and Turnoff, my former boss years and years ago. We're, we're pushing a decade, Carlos. I know. I'll tell you the fun part is, you know, we now have you know Jordan DeArmond doing updates for mm -hmm. us on Fridays, mm -hmm. and of course that was part of your intern class. So when Jordan shows up and she's like, I'm turning 30, I'm like, oh yeah, we've been at this for a while. Yeah, we were in the same high school class. Um, yeah, part of 9 tenure. Yeah, we're, we're getting up there. We're, we're in our we're 30s. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Um, well, okay. So the Panthers and the Cowboys, I was really intrigued by this game uh, going into Sunday. The Panther, I guess more so the Panthers than the Cowboys to this point are more, uh, more of a curious team and more, uh, more difficult to understand depending on what you think about Sam Darnold and his uh, scampering ability and his newfound running ability in Joe Brady's offense. But I was very fascinated to see how this game would go. Um, and obviously the Cowboys, your Cowboys won this game if you had to explain what happened in this Cowboys Panthers game on Sunday and why it was an important win for the Cowboys, 
how would you do so? What I would say is this: for back-to-back weeks, we. To 2016 and 2018 when they were doing that they in recent years have become such a an aerial fun circus to watch under kellen moore that you sometimes forget the basis and the strength of this team is jam the ball down your throat and so to see zeke elliott run the way he did and tony pollard i think eventually when you look at just those rushing numbers in the first half carolina i think got worn down by the third quarter i, I just think that's how it played out and suddenly their their defense is on the field quite a bit the Cowboys are able to get a couple of key turnovers. We've seen them do that quite a bit this year uh, and, and really make it into a bit of a route going into the fourth quarter. What did Joe Brady try to do with Darnold and their skill talent in this game to kind of frustrate Dan Quinn and to get them off their game and to try and uh, try and win here? What did what did you notice that they tried that ultimately did work or did not? Well, I think the smart play early on was a lot of power running with Chuba Hubbard. It didn't have a great game, but they were just attempting to match that power. The, you, you talk about the, the touchdown drive that Carolina had to answer Dallas. It looked a lot like Dallas's first drive. It was, okay, we're going to line up and we're going to run the ball right down your throat. They really were looking to take advantage of Dallas's speed, to get them out of position, to take, uh, you know, take some shots down the field, and to see if they could take advantage of them from there. Uh, DJ Moore, who I was a giant fan of when he was coming out of college, to see him working his way down the field the way he was, getting into those open spaces and then finishing plays, I think that's where they were able to have that success. It was just, unfortunately, their turnovers in the third quarter really kind of doomed them for the rest of the game. Um, are you surprised by Dallas's defense at this point? Uh, I would say this. It couldn't have gotten worse. Like last season, I was watching games where I honestly said they're going to have to score 40 to win because they're that bad defensively. This team, and I I remember talking about this uh, on a couple different radio shows in Dallas that my friends still uh, host when they wanted to know about Dan Quinn. I said, really, the goal, if you're being realistic, is get in the middle of the pack. Be somewhere 14th or 15th in the league, somewhere right around there that's respectable, not 30, 31, or 32, because the offense is so deep and it's so good, they're going to score points. You just need your defense to be complementary, and I think that's what Dan Quinn has been able to create. Not a dominant, but a complementary defense. Yeah, and I don't. I haven't looked where are they at defensive DVOA to this point, but what also helps them, it seems like, is just the NFC East is just so, so bad. Like, Dallas might clinch in early November. <laughs> well, it's funny you bring that up. So my wife was at the Washington-Atlanta game. Mm. All of her family, they're all Washington football fans. So contingent of about 20. As I'm watching that game end and realizing, all right, uh, Washington's now second in the division at 2-2. Two and two. How bad are the Falcons that they got smacked around yes. by not just Washington, not just Philadelphia, but Dallas is coming on that schedule too. So we're going to see how that plays out with them. Well, it can't get any weirder and any more soul-crushing than last year. I don't think the Falcons can lose in a worse way to Dallas than they did a year ago. <laughs> well, I, I would think this year, you're, and again, I'm putting the cart before the horse here, that Dallas team tends to be blowing people out in terms of, in the NFL, when I say a blowout, when you're winning a game by 12 points, you're really doing something, especially when most of the spreads in this league are you know, three to five points. And so that's one of those things right now when I see them play. When I saw them play against Tampa, I even thought, okay, this team has a chance to be really good because of the stuff they can do offensively. And if they continue, and, and you can never plan on this. You can never forecast turnovers. Mm-hmm. They come in bunches. Right now, the way they're turning over other teams, if you're telling me Dallas gets 12 shots on offense or 13 shots rather than 9 or 10, they're going to beat you. 
Interesting. What did uh what did Kellen call that you really liked? How did you how did you assess his game plan against Matt Rule's defense? Because this was a this was a very, very good unit, top ten defense coming into this game, and that was another thing with Brian Burns and um obviously JC Horns out, but a lot, a lot of talent on that defense in Carolina. What did what did Kellenmore do um that you were like, okay, this was this was a great play. This was a great play call, this was a great scheme, this was a great um, game plan we had for what Carolina does well defensively. I want to focus on one position because three weeks ago, I think a lot of people that follow the Cowboys went, uh-oh, let's see what we're in for. Because last year, the Cowboys were missing both their starting tackles, eventually their starting center, eventually their right guard. Everybody went down on that offensive line. So to end up seeing uh, when Collins ends up getting his five-game suspension, you go, all right, we're going back to Terrence Steele at right tackle. Let's see how this is going to play out. Burns made one play yesterday where he was able to get in the backfield and and, uh, and cause some problems for Dak Prescott. But what Kellen Moore has done, he's basically exacerbated what Steele does well, which is he's a very good run blocker. So they don't have any problem running to that right side and using him as their anchor in the run game. And they protect him in the passing game. You've seen so many of these plays lately that the Cowboys have been running where they will always anchor in a tight end next to Steele and that tight end can then at some point, you know, hey, if everything's under control, all right, I'm going to leak out and I'll be your, uh, I'll, I'll be your, your uh, receiver that you can catch late in, the, uh, late in the progression. That's where I think it's been really smart that they know they had a problem last year and they're basically scheming their way of, to avoid that problem. How is Dak different this year? What have you noticed that he's done better? I mean, before the injury and what you've seen to Dak to this point, what do you, what do you think is different with how he's playing? There's a different level of poise to him, and, and he's always poised, and he's always productive. You know, last year, uh, for anyone who, who remembers, Dak Prescott was leading the NFL in passing yards when he went down. Now, he was having a huge year. He was putting up big numbers. Now, the team wasn't good defensively, so they were sitting with a record about one and three, but he was doing huge things. Now you've kind of seen this further progression of it where – he doesn't seem to get caught up in bad plays right now. Like, there's just a different level of there's not a panic. Um, I, I think part of it is just watching the game that, like he did for the better part of the full season last year and saying, all right, this is how I would handle that situation. I, if we're talking about a guy, when you say, hey, who's worth $40 million? There's a handful in the league that are worth $40 million. I think he's one of those guys right now. What what has Quinn done differently than Nolan? Is there anything specific where you can point to and you're like, okay, this is where no, like what this is where Nolan is it better players or is it just like there is something specific that Dan Quinn has done that has changed the changed the narrative? They're nowhere near as confused. <laughs> I would watch Sundays last year and the guys. And let's let's take a step back here. We also didn't have a regular training camp. There wasn't mm. any regular camp. So, uh, so a new coaching administration basically had to do everything via Zoom and on the fly. I'm sorry, you can't learn football via Zoom. It just doesn't work very well. Dan Quinn, if anything, just has them more organized. They know what they're doing. They know what their responsibilities are. Last year, there were so many times where you would see a safety or a linebacker or a cornerback turn and look at the rest of the defense with their hands up of, what did y'all do? What were y'all running there? And so to not see that, to see the guys on much more of the same page, it's not always going to be effective. They will give up points, but they don't look confused out there. I just think that they're much more well-organized. Um, early surprises on this roster. Who, who surprised you in a good way and who surprised you in a bad way? How is Trayvon Diggs turned into the best cornerback in that draft? Mm. I mean, he, he's a different level now. And to see him... I did get excited when he you know picks off the first pass and I'm thinking like, okay, I, I don't recall 
watching a Cowboy game. And, and again, this because the, the record went back to the 70s. So, yes, I didn't see it. I never lived through it. Um, to see him intercept passes in three straight games and then, oh, here's a fourth game. And then here's a second one in the fourth game where it's mm-hmm. even more incredible the way he took that ball away. I, I think that has been probably the biggest surprise as far as a guy who's done the first to second year jump. I, I don't want to say disappointed. I want to see more of Tony Pollard and, and a lot of it in the passing game and stuff like that. I, I think he's a very fascinating player with what he can do with his speed. Uh, I think he's another one of those weapons that's fun to watch. Uh, him and Dalton Schultz are two guys where I don't have any problem when they get on the field because they do have some dynamic capability. I like it. I like it. When you saw the the Dak Payton comparison by Matt Roll, what, what was your first thought? Uh, I, I think it was the, the best compliment was because it's cerebral. Dak Prescott right now is playing – at a level where if, if it's you versus him, he feels like he's going to beat you because he's going to outthink you. And that's, that's Peyton Manning to a T. That's having that, that full control of everything that's going on. I, there's, you know, Peyton Manning's a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, that, is, that is not the case with Dak Prescott as of now. But we are talking about a player that when he's out there, he has full control over everything. He'll check out of anything he needs to. He'll move into whatever uh, play he needs to. He doesn't have a problem with that. Whatever the defense basically shows him, He's going to adjust accordingly, and he's doing a matchable job right now. Yeah, I think it's more of like a Russell Wilson feeling for me, where the, 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 I have a 49ers uh, buddy on every Monday, and he was pretty confident about the Seahawks game uh, going to yesterday, and obviously the Seahawks won, and people just ride off the Seahawks every year because they're nervous about the, the secondary. They're nervous about the, the, the offensive line play. They're nervous about Brian Schottenheimer still calling the offense, and it's like Russell Wilson has won less than 10 games one time in his NFL career. And it's just every year people just discount what Russell Wilson does game in, game out. And the Seahawks, again, are right there. And they're probably going to mess around and win the NFC West again. I mean, depending on Kyler and Kyler is just playing well. Well, I mean, maybe the the MVP to this point in the NFL. But he's just someone that you discount because he's just been so good and so elite for so long. I think Dak is on that trajectory where it's like they're just going to gobble up these 10 plus win seasons over and over again as long as he's healthy. And we're just going to kind of take him for granted uh, in terms of what he provides and just being a top 10 quarterback year in, year out, even though he's not the clear best. He is just someone that you can count on. He's someone who expects to win his division and make the playoffs every single year. Is that is that fair? I think we take Russell Wilson for granted. Um, You're talking about a player who's leading the league and passer rating at nine touchdowns and no Mm -hmm. interceptions. I only know that this morning because I was looking to go, hey, who are the passing uh, rating leaders now after this weekend? Of course. There's Russell Wilson, a guy that, honestly, he ever since Seattle kind of fell off after the 2016 season, they've kind of been a football outpost mm-hmm. where they're kind of doing their thing. They're a good football team, but, you know, not everybody's paying attention. And, oh, they played that 4 o'clock game again. Oh, yeah, I didn't really see what happened there. What'd they do? Um, that, that, I think, as far as a player comparison, I think is pretty good for guys that just have a full grasp of their team. They're very comfortable leading that team. You give them weapons, they produce. I think that's a really good comparison in terms of Dak Prescott and then Russell Wilson. What are you looking for the next few weeks in the Cowboys? What are you looking for for them to improve on? What would you like to see? Uh, what would you like to see changed or adjusted in the next couple weeks? I want to see them get healthy. Mm. Now that's been a big challenge with their defensive line. Now, yesterday, five sacks of Sam Darnold. Are you going to see Marcus Lawrence? That's still going to be several weeks off. Um, you've got a number of other guys. You're saying, okay, how much longer until we get them? They've been good on the defensive line, but they loaded up. Out of their 11 draft picks, nine of them were on defense. They loaded up with so much defense. 
that you want to start seeing, all right, show me the depth. And the depth has shown up over the last couple of weeks, but I just think how much better will this thing get when you have your best pass rushers on the field and your best corners on the field on a regular basis? I like it. I like it. So, Los, how do the good folks keep up with your new show, everything going on at 680 right now? Uh, let's start with this. You can follow me at Twitter, at Front Office Los. That's Front Office L-O-S. We had the, uh, the Chuck and Turnoff show weekdays 2 to 6, and then the audio fun bag is 6 to 8, although we don't get to go on tonight because there's a Braves playoff preview show, but then we'll be on the rest of this week. So you can check us out 6 to 8 the rest of the remainder of this week before Braves baseball gets started on Friday. How's Hoy doing with the, the increased workload, having to host? Is he, is he managing it okay? No he, no, he hates it. He's breaking down. <laughs> I got to know how much longer he'll do it. We'll just kind of fight through it and see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's like it was going to be a, a tough sell uh, with, with Hoyt doing that over and over again. Or uh, Chuck having to do a four-hour show instead of a three along with his other show. He's he's having to put in more work. I like it. Putting King but, and Hoyt well, to work. No. Well, no, not I'll more. Just, I'll just say this. The, the, the <laughs> two o'clock hour isn't really work. It's more of, hey, the show started, but we're not really doing a show yet. Let's just goof around and have some fun. And so... Uh, Really, the show seems like it goes from from three to six, but you know we're having a good time with it. There you go, there you go. Well, keep up the great work. So, got the the six eighty snapback that I wear to run in and all that kind of stuff. So, appreciate the time. The podcast would not exist without you and the good folks at six eighty the fans. So, if you're a local Atlanta person, or if you just want to listen to the Atlanta Braves and keep up with the Atlanta Braves as this postseason run kicks off on Friday, go check out six eighty the fan dot com. Follow Los Front Office Los. Keep up the great work, my friend, and uh, we will check back in again soon. Sounds good. Bye, Chase. See you, man. All right. The Monday night edition of the Chase Homes podcast rolls along where I am now joined by someone who covers an extremely fun all the time california golden bears where the football team is just a delight on saturdays everything's going well everything's fun no everything's not very fun but but namely namely excuse me i said it fast i knew i was gonna do that is here to discuss a team that i was about to say employ that allows that that puts forth a quarterback who shares my name chase garbers very pro chase quarterback rooms on this very podcast nam good evening sir how are you i'm great thank you so much for having me on to talk about uh the immense disappointment that has been the 2021 cal bears yeah okay so let's start with this weekend because i was stunned i mean i wazoo is not good wazoo is bad this is a really really bad wazoo team and I had just penciled this one in. I did not even hesitate to to pick Cal in the college football preview show. And before the season, I was just, I was very optimistic about Cal. I'm a big Justin Wilcox guy. Um, I thought Bill Musgrave's been fine. I thought that there was more to, to build. And I thought that this team made a lot of sense. And I thought the Pac-12 was more open than in years past. And I thought there was a lot of reasons for optimism in Berkeley. That has not turned out to be the case. Um, but it's been a weird year. Like we have Utah has just had an up and down year. Like who knows what we, Utah is Arizona state. We left for dead and now they're in the driver's seat in the PAC 12 South. So there's a lot of PAC 12 stuff to get to, but I want to start with the Wazoo game against the Cougs. What happened on Saturday? 
Uh, namely, um, it's been very interesting to watch the arc of Cal season because it's been a different unit every week that you can kind of point the finger at as being responsible for the team's loss. Uh, this week, the Bears put up six points at home. There was a stretch in which for six consecutive drives, they punted uh, or committed turnovers. Uh, they forced their hand into a lot of fourth down situations and couldn't convert. Uh, the offense, after playing really well and apparently turning a corner against Washington, uh, was really essentially manhandled by a very fast and physical Washington State front. Didn't seem to have that many answers. Uh, and in previous weeks, it wasn't the offense. So Washington State kind of came in, uh, and even though the Bears have now turned a corner defensively, they held Washington State to 4.4 yards per play. Uh, you know, fairly manageable 21 points. Uh, most most teams, if you allow 21 points, you expect to win in a given week. The Bears could not translate that into any points whatsoever. Was that surprising? Like, what what is wrong? If you were to explain to someone, like, why Garbers and Musgrave and this offensive unit is just not clicking and not figuring it out this year, how would you do so? Because I was reading the Justin Wilcox comments after this game, and he is just as per- perplexed, I think, as everybody else. Because if you read the comments, he's just like, I mean, ultimately it falls on me, but we did not expect this with the offense. We did not expect to have this... Uh, this degree of problems offensively he seems flummoxed um what do you what do you make of the state of this offense and why they're having so much so much problems so many problems this fall so um that's a great question uh a couple of years ago when chase was just kind of getting underway uh in 2019 um i wrote about him uh essentially that we kind of know the book on him he's a limited quarterback and a lot of things have to happen for him to play well uh and to some degree that's still true today he can get the job done in a lot of ways he played pretty impressively at different stretches uh memorably down 2019 uh and ironically after i wrote that uh he went like he kind of went on a tear won the big game for the first time in damn near a decade for the cal bears uh but in essence what bill musgrave asked him to do even though the schemes and what's being drawn up like puts him in a in a position to succeed uh chase is extremely limited in what he can do with his arm uh he's occasionally prone to fits of inaccuracy or stretches in the game where for about 10 to 15 plays he's just completely ineffective uh so the key to getting the most out of chase garbers really has been to let him run um, to, to make use of his legs and his, his athleticism, which Bo Baldwin figured out um, towards the end of his tenure here. Uh, and don't ask him to throw too much, which is something that I think Bill Musgrave has had issues with in his game feel. Uh, in my opinion, the Bears would be better served with leaning more heavily on a talented stable of backs. Uh, let Chase take deep shots with one-on-one receivers. Uh, Cal's receiving group has taken a stride forward with a lot of the seniors and they boast some really really young talent including jeremiah hunter who i think the pac-12 will be really aware of next year um but to to make a long story short they're asking him to do a lot 
they're only sometimes putting him in good positions, and then his own uh, inconsistency tends to rear its head the more often you ask him to do something. Is there still a drop-off? Like, what has been the difference? Because Bo Baldwin was such an interesting hire at the time. Um, he's now the head coach at Cal Poly. He was assistant head coach. He was QB coach, offensive coordinator for Cal for several years. He came out of Eastern Washington after having a lot of success there. He was an interesting hire. It's kind of an outside-the-box hire um, for a Power 5 school to bring in somebody like Baldwin. He took a step back at his age. was kind of weird being a head coach for as long as he was. And then... You know, it was an interesting hire for Cal, and I understood the line of thinking there. And I thought Wilcox was a great hire, and I still think it, Wilcox has been been great, especially when you look at the limitations of Cal and everything that's happened in that athletic department over the years. Um, he's been stable and good, and I think by and large, his success to this point. But um, Musgrave, a lot of NFL experience. He was an NFL guy. It's a very different scheme than what Baldwin was running. Do you think... There has been a drop-off going from Baldwin to Musgrave. Is Musgrave not the answer here and that we need to make a change sooner rather than later? Was there something about Baldwin's scheme that lent itself to more success for Cal and the way they recruit, the kind of players they can get, and maybe Musgrave is better suited for a program that can recruit more top five, top ten uh, level classes like a Bill O'Brien, something like that, where it's just like if you have NFL players and just more talent, like four or five stars, that that kind of stuff works more than what they're they're trying to do offensively. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, and I to answer that question, uh, we got to go back to Bo Baldwin, like essentially 2017, 2018, the skill level talent was not really great they Mm -hmm. didn't have a established quarterback by the time they figure out how to use chase um, i think both sides have kind of decided to move on which is why he took the cal poly job and took uh nick edwards with him uh off of cal staff so you know i think at that point before it was determined that he would be leaving um, fans saw down the stretch the team was approaching something towards competence on the offensive side of the ball. I think some people could have been talked into him staying. Uh, by the time they do decide that that's going to happen and they hire Musgrave, um, I mean, I have some general reservations just in the fact that you know he'd been out of work and then hadn't really coached in college in a really long time right. where the practice times are a little bit more limited. The results from last year you can kind of explain away due to lack of practice time general pandemic like things the bears haven't been that bad on offense this year uh it's really been more so uh, up until up until last week uh it's really been kind of like a general inconsistency uh he didn't pick chase he wants a guy with a little bit of a stronger arm um they're still trying to kind of figure out at times i think how much you can ask of the starting quarterback uh it's also an offense now that has shifted into a lot of 11 or a lot of 12 and 13 personnel they do play 11 also uh versus kind of uh, more spread stuff that you would have seen um under uh, Baldwin and the team doesn't have its difference making tight ends really yet. Uh, the starters are converted walk-ons who have earned their way into scholarship, but don't offer the same kind of ceiling. Uh, the program is looking for those different makers at that position, uh, who are you know at best a, a year plus away. 
Um, so there are a lot of issues, but the recent downfall of, uh, and I'm talking about a program here that is one and four now, one and three last year. So two and seven, if my math is correct, two and seven <laughs> in his last nine games, mm-hmm. uh, can be traced a lot back to special teams play. Um, Wilcox's special teams lieutenant, Charlie Ragel, uh, his unit has been directly involved in at least five of the losses, including a blocked extra uh, a blocked extra point against Stanford last year to lose the big game mm. uh, when they could have tied and went to overtime. Um, it's just been a calamity of errors every week. Last week against Washington State, they committed something that I've never seen in my entire life, which is a blocked punt that was returned for a first down by the <laughs> team that was punting. Um, and yet he is still employed this week. Uh, Wilcox isn't the type of guy to really knife people in the back. Uh, he's very, very loyal, and apparently that's to a fault right now. Um, and then the defense has also taken a step down. Uh, he hired, uh, to replace Tim DeRuiter, uh, he hired Peter Sermon, a close friend of his, who's track record over at louisville as the defensive coordinator wasn't extremely strong uh has a accomplished recruiting reputation um and to their credit they've done a great job recruiting the front seven in the last couple of years that should bear fruit uh down the line but the difference has shown up a lot in the tackling numbers in just the general way that the defense has played in the back end and their general inability to develop the seniors that were coming back further almost every single one of the super seniors that cal has uh guys who are granted extra time because of the pandemic year has played worse and that speaks to a lack of development on the defensive side and his signatures uh you know side of the ball interesting um do you, the, the rooster stuff is actually kind of i've forgotten about that um just with that turnover and um peter sermon i think is a wait and see but also i think justin wilcox is a good enough defensive mind that i would be less worried about the defense and more worried about the stuff with like you said special teams that can be nipped in the bud um you can address musgrave i think more after the season or like you said once you get to quarterback that fits more of what he's trying to do offensively and garbers just might not be that guy um and there's a lot of garbers out there there's an ethan there's a chase who knows maybe one of them will have that cannon arm that uh he's looking for it might be tanner mckee get him in a transfer because uh, that dude was slinging it um, against Oregon on Saturday. The dichotomy between him and Anthony Brown was was pretty amazing on Saturday with the Ducks. But um, that's a pod for another day. So did you did you buy the early season optimism? Because like you knew that they had this special teams coach. You knew that Peter Sermon was coming in. There were some question marks um, with his track record. You knew that we hadn't seen enough to this point to fully believe in Musgrave making the transition to calling a, a just a Pac-12 champion offense. Um, did you did you believe? Was there a lot of reason before the season to believe that the Cal Golden Bears could make a run at the Pac-12 title this year? I did. Uh, I'm embarrassed by that stance <laughs> now, but I did believe so. Uh, I thought that at minimum they had the talent to compete. Uh, the program prided itself on like being able to compete. They knocked off the pack eventual Pac-12 North champions, um, and if memory serves, the actual Pac-12 champions last year in Oregon. Uh, 
So they were selling that very, very hard. Look at all our returning talent. Look at this full offseason that we have to prepare. Look at these receivers, which are now the you know distinguished veterans and you know the best that we've had in the Wilcox era. So if you added all of that up, uh, you would have been able to talk yourself into them being dark horse contenders. Uh, and that's very quickly not been the case. A season opening loss against Nevada where they look very lethargic, uh, wilting in the second half against TCU, uh, closer than expected game against Sac State. So everything that we're seeing right now, I know that nationally or for folks that are like a little bit more removed uh, are used to so far this story of Cal being under Justin Wilcox a solid uh, well-coached unit, but they are generally, and it may take a while for this perception to trickle outwards, uh, but they've been incredibly undisciplined this year. Uh, penalty yards are up by about 25 compared to the 2019 team. Um, and again, the that talent that's been returning has played worse than they did in 2019. Uh, and the team has had a lot of issues trying to replace its signature personnel. Uh, Evan Weaver, left before the pandemic and uh, to graduation, and the team hasn't had a good inside linebacker yet. Uh, they've suffered from some injuries, but all programs have to deal with that. So I have a hard time writing off uh, everything um, because he, at least internally from the fan base, like how the discourse has happened around this, most people gave him a pass for 2020. Even though the team played largely in the same fashion that they are this year most people wanted to believe that entering 2021 you would have uh, a lot of that stuff corrected the team prided itself uh even using the motto finish the job sold itself on bringing these guys back uh because they also believe the same and so it's been kind of a nightmarish season for everybody they have a they have a bye week this week uh, before they play Oregon next Friday night, um, lose that, you're 1-5. Now, the Pac-12 is chaotic this year. There are a lot of cases that you could make. Cal has Arizona and Colorado on the schedule. It's likely that at some point they will beat somebody that they're not supposed to just because that has been a trend. But things are sliding very quickly. Uh, reports from the student section this week uh, they emptied out by half, mm. and the team was only down by eight. Um, not to mention, you know, like the standard, like, fire Wilcox chants are starting to pick up. Hmm. Now, in a situation where the Bears finish three and nine or four and eight, I can't presume to predict what the Cal Athletic Department is going to do with that, um, especially because they just gave him new financial investment. He's likely safe even at those things. What I've personally felt uh, is that the program has peaked under him. I do not feel that it's within him or this staff currently to take them past the 7-5 and five mark. Uh, we're talking about a guy right now who, if memory serves, is something like 11-22 and 22 in Pac-12 play, hasn't yet posted a winning record, is very close to yet another year without one. Um, and I think... Even if he makes it to 2022, um, it would take like a 1-11 season to, to, for them to probably think about pulling the plug. But 
things are trending down in a bad way right now out here in Berkeley. Mm. And we really don't know because uh, he did not hire your current AD did not hire Wilcox, correct? He came in at 2018, I believe, from Air Force, and he has a strong like military background. Um, kind of an odd fit in Cal, <laughs> I would say. When you, when, I don't know if you feel the same, and Cal fans feel the same. Um, but kind of an odd fit, I, I think, a little bit because I think, yeah, he's a northeastern guy. I don't know a lot of lot of interesting parts there with Jim Knowlton, but um, it seems a little premature with Wilcox, and I'm not sure where Cal would go um, if they were were to move on from him. I mean, Joe Moorhead, you give him a bump, maybe you you go hunting there. Um, I don't know. I, I would be very curious what Cal ended up doing if they were to change gears there. And when you look at the rest of the schedule, I mean, Oregon, this is the worst time to play Oregon, I think, on the calendar, uh, just right after uh, losing just a dumb, dumb game against Stanford. Uh, Colorado's awful. I think you should beat Colorado. Oregon State is a delight. Very much here for Jonathan Smith and what they're doing in Corvallis. So I think that's tough, but at least you get that at home. Arizona is awful. Just by and large, the worst team in the Pac-12, I think. USC, I think, is a wild card. Do you think he has to like win? Because you end with the, the California trio. You end with USC at home, Stanford on the road, UCLA on the road. Do you think he has to win two of three? Do, do you think that's feasible to win two of three? Is it as long as you just don't get swept, things are feel you're feeling okay? Does it matter how he ends the season? If he ends it with an upset of UCLA, it's like, oh, he may have lost to USC and Stanford, but he ended up by upending Chip Kelly, and we're, we're feeling happy, even though we're not going bowling at the end of the year. Like, does it matter with those, and how do you see those last three unfolding? I think you could construct a case for the Bears maybe stealing one of those games. Again, the pack is wildly random this year. Uh, I don't see a situation, um, even though I hope for one, I don't see a situation in which they recover and go, what is it, five and five and two down the stretch. There are beatable teams in there. But the way that the team is playing and with each week, it's a different unit that's being blamed for... Uh, or that's in the crosshairs for, for the loss, it makes it really hard to project. And that's something that I've felt about Wilcox's tenure uh, the entire way through, that Chase Garbers is missing in 2019. How good is the team really, uh, and how good could they have been if he was healthy? What happens with a clean year instead of COVID? What happens if you know brett johnson the the team's best defensive player doesn't get in a scooter accident this offseason so there's been a lot of things to try to account for already in his tenure um it's hard for me to think that the bears are going bowling at this point he's probably safe with four wins probably safe even with three wins uh whether who that comes off against or what that ends up uh being uh, whatever combination that is, um, I would hope that the Bears could beat Stanford. Uh, but like one of the infinitely frustrating things about David Shaw is every single year I think they're about to fall off, and every single year they look terrible for a stretch, and then they keep doing their Stanford thing and keep chugging along. So I hope that he doesn't go zero and three. That would be yet another bad look on top of what's already transpired uh over the last nine games um but i will say that i'm a big fan of what's going up going on up there in oregon state uh i wanted to hire brian lindgren uh for it 
like right before the 2020 cycle, but he decided to stay uh, for longer, and they're doing incredible things up there. I'm a big fan of just the way that they consistently scheme guys open and, and seem to take good advantage of the talent that they have there. And that's the kind of coach that if they move on from Wilcox, uh, probably not this year, but uh, in any eventual situation in which they do move on, on from him um i'd like a coach that's in that mold somebody who is an up-and-comer uh because cal doesn't have the resources to hire a like an established coach really uh somebody with strong west coast ties and somebody who you know is dedicated to the spirit of the institution but that's like you know like that runs a clean program essentially interesting all right well what uh, what can the good folks check out from you and the awesome staff at writeforcalifornia.com? Folks, go check that out and subscribe if you've not already. Great coverage of the Cal Golden Bears at writeforcalifornia.com. But uh, what can we look out for from you and the, the good folks over there this week? Uh, we usually run a couple of different breakdowns uh, of the game. We do X's and O's analysis uh, for people who have a subscription. We also do statistical breakdowns based on PFF data. Uh, so it's a lot of different things every week. We don't only cover football, um, although that is what's in season right now. Uh, but yeah, come give it uh, a check out. Uh, we just had a long hour podcast uh, this week that posted earlier today, actually, the Golden Bearcast that uh, in which we kind of discussed where we're feeling about Wilcox. There are some people that are still dedicated to the project that think uh, he's going to turn it around. There's kind of more people like me where they're kind of exhausted with the style of play that uh, w- of what's transpired, and they kind of see the writing on the wall, even if it's not this year. Uh, so a lot of different things out here in Berkeley uh, for, for people to take a look at at writeforcalifornia.com. All right. Well, go check out, out if you have not already. Nam, keep up the great work. Thank you so much for making the time tonight. I greatly appreciate it. It was great to be here. Thank you so much, Chase. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs>